Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke in the fourth chapter, starting with the 14th verse. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, over the last few weeks, we've had several miraculous and divine revelations of Christ in the world. The angel announces the coming of Jesus to Mary. A choir of angels announces the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. A star proclaims the divine birth and guides a group of magi from the east. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in the form of a dove And a voice from heaven proclaims that he is the beloved son. Jesus turns water into wine at a wedding feast. Each of these events reveals Jesus as the son of God to different groups of people through some sort of mysterious act of power. Whatever that we might think, messengers from heaven are not nearly as common as we would like to believe. The accounts of angels in the Bible are relatively few and are often separated by many years from one another. We can no more follow a star to get to a specific place than we can follow a rainbow to find a pot of gold at the end of it. And someone who could turn water into wine would be a big hit at parties. But today's revelation takes a far simpler form. There's no choir of angels, no voice from heaven, No miracle. Today we hear that Jesus has started to teach in the synagogues in the land of Galilee. Where John had gone out into the wilderness and called people to come to him, Jesus goes and meets the people where they are. He brings his powerful teaching into the synagogues and the people praise him for the teaching that he offers. As he continues throughout Galilee, reports about his teaching and his ministry are spreading throughout the area. And then he comes to Nazareth, his hometown, the place where he was brought up. He comes into the synagogue, I guess probably the place where he would have attended when he was growing, takes up the scroll for the reading for the day and reads this short passage from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. After all the stories that have been circulating about the power of his teaching and his ministry, this group of people who had known Jesus as a boy and a young man are anxious to hear what he has to say. What great teaching will he share from this text? This is why all the eyes are fixed upon him. They can't wait to hear his renowned teaching. And he simply says, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now I can only imagine that this is not quite the teaching that they were expecting from him on this day. After all, Joseph's son, who they had known as a boy, has just claimed to be the Son of God, the one come to fulfill the words of Isaiah. No choir of angels, no voice from heaven, no mother at his side encouraging him, as we heard last week. Jesus reads the word of the prophet and then claims his role as the one who will fulfill God's promises. Any doubts we may have about how Jesus understood himself as the beloved son, any doubts we may have had about his mission and ministry to the world should be dispelled right here. This is Jesus' mission statement. He is telling anyone who knows him that this is what it is he is meant to do, to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the coming of God's favor. Whatever else he may do, this is his source and his guide for ministry. He states very clearly here, this is who I am. Now, as I thought about this text this week, as I thought about all the stories that we've heard since Christmas leading us to this proclamation, as I think about the angels, the revelations, the baptism, Jesus' time in the wilderness, which we kind of skipped over, but we'll come back to in a few weeks, I got to thinking about the movie The Matrix. Now, I'm sure some of you have probably seen it, perhaps not all of you. I know I'm dating myself a little bit. I think it came out in 99 or something like that. In this movie, there's a character named Neo who is convinced that there is more to the world than the existence that he currently lives. And through his attempts to learn more, he is eventually contacted by others who claim that the entire world as he knows it is simply an illusion. And it turns out that the world really is an illusion, a computer-simulated reality created by sentient programs with the sole purpose of keeping people enslaved. Now, once he's learned the truth, there's this scene of Neo awakening and crawling out of this pod that looks something like a womb. Covered in this sticky goo, he sees a world that looks nothing like what he has known before. Something he has never seen. In that sense, he is born again. 
he awakens into a new life, a new world. And after that, we learn that, oh, there's this prophecy thing regarding one who will come to, who will be able to break the people free from their imprisonment, who will be able to teach the people about all of the things that exist in the reality that they can't actually see, one who will be able to bend the very rules of reality as the people know it. Sounds an awful lot like these words of Jesus today, that he reads the words of Isaiah. But unlike Jesus, who makes this claim and claims that story for himself, Neo had a hard time accepting that call, that he was called to something greater. Instead, he heard that call, he had his second birth into a world, into a new world, but it still takes him some time to step into that role that he is being called into. It's funny because call stories like this are an important part of the stories of those of us who go into ministry. We often talk about that moment when we recognize and commit ourselves to God's call on our lives. And in seminary, students tend to joke about all the times that they have to write about their call to ministry. Over and over, they get asked questions about explaining their call. How do you understand your call to ministry? Those entrusted with teaching and preparing these students want to make sure that those that they are teaching and preparing have a sense of call. Does this person have a sense that they have been called to do something more? Can they articulate what that even means to them? Do they understand what it will mean to live out that call in life, and are they even capable of doing so? Part of the reason for this constant reflection is that those of us in the real world, kind of like Neo in the Matrix, have a really hard time sometimes accepting what God is calling us to do. When I finally went to seminary, and began to more fully explore what God's call meant on my life, I was really surprised to learn that there was evidence of God's call in my life peppered throughout my life, at least back into high school. I found traces of that call in my journals that I had kept at that time, evidence that I had forgotten, things that I had overlooked. And then when I was in college, I, I awoke from a dream with a poem stuck in my head that I felt compelled to write down. It really didn't make any sense to me whatsoever at the time. And sometimes today, it still doesn't make much sense to me. But when I began looking back at that as I explored my call, I saw in that what God was calling me to do. And now, for those of you that stopped by my office, I actually have a painting on the wall of my office that someone else did, but that reminded me of that call. And so I keep it there in front of me on a regular basis to remind me of what it is that God has called me to do. For some, they find their call in a particular scripture text. The preaching professor, one of the preaching professors I worked with in seminary, she used this text from Luke today 
to start every one of her basic preaching courses every semester. For she, she sees in this text the call of all who preach the word. All of us who inhabit this role are called into that same ministry of proclamation. And it's important to note that this idea of call isn't limited to those of us who go on to fill professional roles in ministry. Each of us, through our baptism, accepts that call, God's claim on our lives, even though it often still takes time for us to recognize what that means and what that will look like for us. In some traditions, there's the language of being born again as a key step in that journey of faith. In the Methodist tradition, we talk about the sense of our hearts being warmed. However we talk about it, the language we use to describe this is very similar to this sense of call. That reassurance that God has called us and claimed us and that we step forward and accept that call on our lives. Now in the Matrix movie, Neo grows into his new life outside of the Matrix. He constantly denies that he is the one foretold by the prophecy. He refuses to believe who it is that he is called to be. He simply cannot comprehend that for himself until one day he finally does. The movie ends with this miraculous reanimation and Neo is in fact revealed as the one who is foretold and he distorts the very fabric of that simulated reality. And in the very final scene of the movie, Neo makes a literal call to the machines in which he lays out what is to come. He says, I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I'm going to hang up this phone and I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you, a world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries, a world where anything is possible. And where we go from there is a choice. I leave to you. This is prophecy like the prophets of the Hebrew Scriptures. It's not so much about predicting the future as it is about telling people where things stand and telling them what the likely outcome is if things don't change. This is the promise that Isaiah is making, that God hears the cries of those in need and God moves to help them. And so when Jesus takes up that scroll and he reads those words of Isaiah, words that were written at least 200 years before he ever walked the earth, he is making a claim that that prophecy is finally being fulfilled. He's not only fulfilling that prophecy, he's making a prophetic claim himself. This is where things stand. This is where things are beginning. The beginning of Jesus' ministry is God's love for the poor. The beginning of Jesus' ministry is God's healing presence. 
the beginning of Jesus' ministry as God's stand with the captive and with the oppressed. And in making this claim, Jesus is saying not that this is the, be- the ending, but this is the beginning of a whole new way of living in the world. This new world is one built on relationship, on love of God and love of one another. And in this world, the poor will know good news. In this world, the captive and the oppressed will know freedom. In this world, the sick will be healed. It doesn't take us much time to look around at our world and recognize that these things have not ended. Like the machines in the matrix, we sometimes look around at our world and we are afraid. We're afraid of change. We're afraid of a future we do not understand. But Jesus gives us a model for a way out. He offers us a new way of living with each other. Instead of an ending, Jesus offers us a new beginning. We are all here today because we have felt called in some way. God reaches out to us even when we are not aware. God offers us grace. And that grace is offered whether we seek it out or not. This is what the story of Jesus is all about. Jesus didn't come into a perfect world to tell us that God is pleased. Jesus came into a sinful world to tell us that God loves us. And so we look to the model of Jesus' ministry. These words that Jesus claims in order to proclaim who he is. And we know what God wants of each of us who follow Jesus. To bring good news to the poor. To release the captives and decide with the oppressed. To heal and to serve those in need. Jesus' prophet comes not as a judge, but as love embodied for our world. And then he calls us to take our place in that same relationship. To live in a world modeled on love. And our calling is part of that fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus began 2,000 years ago. May we, therefore, hear that call and go and do likewise.